are beginning to look a lot like Christmas, Hanta, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, uh, sol- winter solstice, whatever we want to call it. Any other holiday that fits with your culture? Exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> beginning to look a lot like any other holiday. <laughs> How about this? It's beginning to smell a lot like pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> oh, isn't that just like, isn't that for Halloween? Oh, yeah. It's, no, I don't know. That's for Thanksgiving, but it goes on. It's a like <sighs> generalized holiday, you know, artificial fragrance and flavor. Disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> oh, my God, Scotty. Let's not, let's not go overboard on our reaction. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, someone once came to my house and asked if I had any syrups to put in a coffee. I just beat them severely and threw them out. Well, sorry. and that was my mother. <laughs> Which case? You... Oh, no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh, have you survived the end of 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 of? Well, it's not. I guess it's not end yet. But we like tomorrow is the beginning of our quiet period, and it's uh, it's been rush, 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 as you might imagine. It's very rush, rush, rush here as well. It's like, uh, remember, I think we, we didn't do a show last week because of being so we damn couldn't busy. get our things together to be able to meet at the same time. But um, yeah, no, we're on the same because remember I said a couple of weeks ago that we've decided that when we close for Christmas, that is the cutoff for the public beta of Moneywell, uh, which will run during January. Uh, and the main reason for that is because we've been working on Moneywell, we've done none of the other infrastructure work around it, like the websites and all the rest of it that we need to do. So January will be about critical bugs commit that any any really critical bugs that come in from uh, the public beta, plus getting us ready for a launch at the end of January of the uh, of the next release. But it's like, yeah, yeah, those conversations are going well. I'm not sure we're going to get through the list, and it's like, you know, but. We said we wouldn't move the deadline, so now something has got to give somewhere, or we could just work more stupidly. Um, and so, but we're still we're a week away from our cutoff point, roughly. Um, and so we're still working on the uh, yeah. Let's just keep plugging away and, and and see what we can do. To be honest, I don't think there's anything now that um, if we shipped without it would be the end of the world. So um, yeah, but it's busy, and it sounds like you're in the same mode. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. You know, um, it's it's kind of double busy because, you know, there's the, the generalized, you know, kind of wrap things up for the year. But then I'm also working on a project which launches early next year. So there's kind of no rest for the weary. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, I, Scotty, I will say I, my ass has been working hard, you know, <laughs> in a way that, that this old man is less accustomed to than when he was, you know, 20 years prior and i would like to believe that part of the reason why i don't have to 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 you know do these late nights or work on weekends is because i'm better at it and that it is certainly true to a certain extent but the thing that i'm working on right now is you know um all projects can be challenging but cross platform projects that that everybody has eyes on that involve lots of systems um some of you know a, a large portion of which are still being built or have been you know still being built up until you know the last moment and changing in the last moment boy that's tricky and it's made me think a lot about you know things that we've talked about earlier but one thing that really kind of came clear to me is the the kind of the use of mock data and when it's a good thing and it's a bad thing can i talk about mocking data or can I, would you want to mock I love mocking I love mocking anything so let's mock some data 
So, you know, mock data is great, grand, and glorious because it allows a, a client developer to get started even when the backend service is not ready. But who does mock data and where it's done and how it's done can really make all the difference in the world because... You know, as client UI developers, I, I can hear Barky the failure dog already warming up on this. Shut the man up. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's saying, yes. Exactly. <laughs> this, what, the shit that's coming out of his mouth is a mock of a sham of a travesty. But anyway, you know, uh, you know, in order for the purpose of, of, of testing layout, it's like, and, and that's usually what kind of client UI developers tend to think about first. Like, get, get something on the screen that resembles what the design was like. And so you kind of have to do that, and typically you're doing it in, in, in English or whatever your main development language is. And at that point, even if you have to create mock data on the client yourself, it's kind of, it makes sense to do it because otherwise you're absolutely blocked. But then at some point, then you have to have localized mock data, and that becomes a little bit tricky unless you have, you know, especially if there's a mixture of, of localized strings that are strictly for the UI and localized string that has to come back from the data. Because if it's just a localized button name, then usually that goes pretty well. But if the, if you're counting on a service to give you back localized strings, the localization typically takes place at a layer, you know, above you, where you know, in another service. So you can't really build that mock data yourself. And so therein lies the rub. So then you might find some clever ways of getting around it, but those clever ways of getting around it may end up masking problems, and that's what makes me very, very nervous about using it. So there, there comes a time in a project where I start to say, it's like, I don't really feel comfortable using mock data here because for lots of different reasons. For one thing, for instance, sometimes, you know, lo localized mock data, especially if it's being generated at the client, it will return right away, typically, because it's in memory on your client. And it might mask a problem that this process that you're thinking, you know, that that sometimes could take absolutely instantaneous or sometimes may take a, a, a beat or may fail because it's asynchronous network programming. <laughs> then then if you are not actively working with it, you may say, oh, yeah, it's great. It comes up right away. And then you may miss that, for example, or you just may miss a host of other things. And therein lies the rub. It's like you start to, when you go off the, the safety, you know, when you, when you no longer rely on mock data, then, you know, it can be very difficult because now you're dependent on a bunch of other services who, who themselves kind of find themselves in the, in the same situation as you are. They, they have to kind of get things working and maybe they have to work with mock data and maybe their services are not quite ready, especially in terms of, you know, human-friendly end-user tools for setting things up. And so the instructions for saying how do i how do i put an end user in a context where they can you can then build some ui around it becomes very very tricky and that's what what this thing i've been working on has been very difficult and i'm sure this is like absolutely you know incomprehensible to anybody who's not me or or you know or understands what i'm going on uh, you know about because they have context but still it comes down to it's like Mock data solves the problem for layouts, but it doesn't necessarily solve the problem for actual real users, real world, you know, end user testing. And so I've, I've gotten, I've, I've tweaked some people a little bit on this project saying it's like, you know, we've got to figure out a better way. And, 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 and 
with any big project that that is kind of new to it, new of its kind, you know, you kind of realize, yeah, this is not as great as it should be, and we better do a post-mortem to find and figure out how we can make this work better. But it's come to my realization now that a mock data system has to be seen as a service so that you don't really have to care. And I know that there are APIs and there are services out there that handle this very problem. Um, and in fact, I remember re, you know hearing either a radio advertisement or a video advertisement, and that's and that's funny because you know you live in Silicon Valley. It's like that's what you hear on the radio instead of ads for Pepsi or something. <laughs> but hmm. you know, it, it, it's it's that type of thing where you know putting together data payloads from lots of different systems and with lots of different exceptions is is a tricky problem. It sounds like it should be trivial, but it's simply not, especially when you've got lots and lots and lots of services that have to, to coordinate. So at some point, though, every client developer is going to need need that, and until it's ready, it, we should be, we should not, let's put it this way, as a client UI developer, if you opt to get mock data, you shouldn't know the difference. You should just basically say, hey, I need it, and maybe you you say, you know, mock data is okay, but the, the server systems that are delivering it to you should be doing it exactly the same way uh, because then you can at least have a more realistic, you know, environment and therefore catch bugs or make sure you're programming for the right set of conditions. So that's that's my statement on mock data. Well, this, this gets a little bit... Um, uh, yeah where you start getting a bit of a conflict of interest for the reasons you're using mock data. Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there are, there are two main reasons. When you use mock data, you have consistency of data. You always know the data you're going to get back from a specific call. It's never going to change. It's never going to vary. Um, so you're not, your tests do not have to um, mm-hmm. allow for... Um, uh, yeah, these changes. Uh, I mean, and then the other reason that a lot of people use mock data is just speed because network-based tests are very slow. And one of the, the things that I think, you know, one of the principles of unit testing, which I think sometimes gets lost, is unit tests are supposed to be fast. And, and when I say fast, I mean very fast because the whole point of unit tests is you run them frequently, you run them regularly. And the moment that they start taking a long time to run, People don't run them. And if the first time your unit tests get run is when you submit something and a pull request in the um, continuous integration server kicks in, um, then unit tests are not doing their job because unit tests should be something a developer is running pretty consistently and regularly. You can set Xcode up to run your unit tests every time you do a build. Um, Now, if you have unit tests that take less than a second to run for the entire suite, um, then that's feasible. And if your unit tests are taking you know, a long time. So if, when you have mock data that you then need to allow for asynchronicity delays in, you know, you begin to break one of the fundamentals of, uh, of unit testing there. So really, you know, I, I well, I, I totally agree with what you say. I think you, you should have, uh, if you're going to do mock data, you should, probably be able to have it run in both ways so that you can say i'm in fast test mode so basically right now because i just i'm just trying to catch obvious things have the mock data return instantly yes it can return on another thread or it can return um you know mock asynchronously in order to test that side of it but don't return after 10 seconds or five seconds or whatever you know it might be in real life Uh, and then obviously another mode where you say yeah, I want my mock data to return with the um, 
the mocked delay as well as the mocked data and that's like via more full more complete testing um but that's now a lot of work in producing mock data and um and, and getting it ready and um uh that's that's you know, pretty difficult <laughs> yep. sometimes to, to make happen and, and for uh some of our unit testing that we do we don't do extensive unit testing in money well but we're trying to do certain unit testing of, of, of networking things you know, our unit tests run against a um different server uh but one of the things that the unit test do is set up is set up all the data they need it's configured in a way they set up all the data those tests are about to need on that server um so they run against it and it runs for real it means our unit tests are a bit slow there and we don't run those all the time so it just breaks one of the rules i've just said but yeah it's testing testing can turn out to be a lot of work and i think that is one of the that is one of the issues um with it is at what point does that work become too much of a burden that you're no longer getting a return on your investment Mm -hmm. um and i think that is in a company like um you know netflix where you've got you know hundreds of people working on things uh, anybody could be breaking things other things that we were doing things you know you could you could almost argue that if you were spending as much time writing testing as you were running code or maybe even more time running testing than you are running code you could justify that because of the 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 risks that are inherent in large teams multi-teams and whatever else if you're a single developer or a team of two i think that cutoff point is probably a lot earlier yeah, that's absolutely true, and and also kind of the, the, it's the, it's the relative cost. You know, if unit testing catches a mistake, I mean, I have a great example. You know that that uh, still to this day, it, it is possible to crash an iOS app if you use you know the NS string based formatting mechanism, which is based on old C printf statements. And so, if you have a mismatch in the formatter string, like you send a, a string. Uh, to a formatter that's expecting an integer like percent %i, you will crash the app. So we ended up having, and and that that hit us once. And it hit us in a a terrible place because the string being used was one that was used so early on in the app that it became difficult for us to deploy a fix. Um, And so, you know, having once burned, twice shy... Um, so we we put up we, you know we have we're very fortunate that we have people who are working on this kind of stuff full time. That's their job. And they built a test which would basically said look through each of the different strings, parse the formatters in there, determine if something is you know an integer or long or a string or whatever, uh, and then would basically validate that that the formatter string could still work because that guarded against problems that can absolutely happen by by localizer. People are translating things. You know they make a mistake. They malformat the, the placeholder or they forget to put it in there or whatever. And so we caught something and we caught it very, very early on. And then basically I could go back to the localization teams like, hey, uh-uh, this we, we can't accept this. <laughs> and they were kind of stunned because they're usually like saying, oh, well, we only catch these things typically when we look at the screenshots. And the screenshots would have told us like, well, we have to catch the earlier um, and and so these things are happening. So, yeah, it, it's like I I. There are times when I think, I don't know how anybody does this stuff without teams of people working on it. And so then it comes down to like, how do indies do it? And that's a much more nuanced question about kind of where do you put that investment? And there's something else that you said that really kind of pricked up my ear, which was like saying, it's like, yes, but, you know, mock data then purposefully is 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 well-formed usually. And um, 
uh, and, and delivered quickly. And it's like, well, but that's the other thing too. It's like you, you certainly can use mock data to simulate saying, well, this is what it looks like when, when you know, in this case where something is missing or not, you know, and, and, and yeah, it, it became something you could end up, you know, going deep, deep, deep down the rabbit hole and how to find the balance for it's not always easy. Um, but anyway, maybe we should stop talking about mock data because uh, people might get bored. <laughs> Or surprised that we're actually talking about something to do with development for a change. What? <laughs> what? What? Wait! 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 Did I? Did I hear something that may be relevant to the title of the show? Oh my way! Oh, oh, they they finished. Great! Great! Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, so John, so holiday season is approaching. We are we are drawing near to the end of the year. Um, I'm not sure if we'll get a show in next week because it's uh, one of those weeks that uh, I think you know with with end of year work and holiday travel and everything um, you know we may or we may not so not committing so maybe now is a a time to just um take a look back at the year as it's been and it's it's to be honest it's it's been a i think a strange year because i cannot although it feels like it's been it's to me it feels like it's gone incredibly quickly this year i have no idea where this year has gone mm-hmm. um it also seems to have been, and I'm not talking, I'm talking about the developer world here, not the world in general. The world in general has been pretty traumatic this year with many, many major things going on, um, you know, and that's post-pandemic. Um, but I have to say, in the developer world this year, I think it's been a quiet one. That's, I'm, you mean specifically the Apple developer world or? Yeah, well, specifically, I mean, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, if you develop in the language Goo Goo Boo Boo um, or something (laughs) which had its first major, first major release, um, Goo Goo Boo Boo One, um, then, um, you know, it it could have been a major, but I think in the Apple developer world, it's been, um, you know, there's been, uh, uh, it just seems to have been a fairly, I'm not going to use the word mundane, um, placid, placid year. I mean, yes, there's been improvements. We've had the new Xcode. We had the new phone with the great new camera. But none of that is revolutionary anymore. None of that is really that upsetting. I guess the digital island um, is uh, is maybe something that's uh, um, you know, got a few people excited. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, outside of that, really, it's, you know, what is, you know, the year has been pretty mild. Is my view, but maybe I'm seeing it wrong because I'm stuck in a bubble of just doing the things I've been focused on, and I've not really taken a lot of notice. Well, I mean, I, I would say yes and no. I think that at least for, from my perspective, a, a thing that really changed this year was dropping support for iOS 14, which we were able to do, which was really good because it really enabled us to start, uh, you know, adopting. Uh, you know, more modern technology. And I've talked about it a little bit in the past. Uh, in fact, I, I spoke, you know, keeping keeping on, on localization and strings and stuff like that. You know, we started using uh, the Swift uh, attributed string and specifically the Swift attributed string markdown parser. Um, and we've also been using, doing a lot more Swift UI in the app in, in places where it absolutely makes sense. So, in in many ways, yes, there hasn't, you know, in terms of new APIs and new stuff, looking back, it's like, you know, I think you're right. Like Digital Island, it, it, it's, 
it's a hardware change, but it also changed. It's it cost a lot of people to have to re rethink some of their things. Lots of people have like, you know, interstitial messages that come down from the top. And now you have to take advantage, you know, you have to, to, to figure that out. And if you're really slick and smart, maybe you can do something really beautiful. And I, I think it is a prof profound change. I find that I really, really love it, but that's a separate thing. Um, but, but in terms of, of the fact that fewer brand new changes have come along and, and adoption has come, uh, has, has come pretty quickly. I think it has a lot of, a lot of developers who have been shipping major applications that have a, a fairly long tail of devices. Like you, you always used to say, if you're, you know, doing Xcode, you know, file new project, you can of course use the very latest and greatest, but if you have absolute customers and, and you have to preserve them, you know, then, then it's a bigger issue and you always have to think, can I deploy this? Can I use this? So this was the year where we could say, okay, yes, we can start, you know, we, we did testing with using Swift UI just to be able to say, is, is performant? Does it do thing? Are there edge cases? And I think still, you know, it's it's really great to get things working, but it's the devil is always in the details. If you need to animate changes for it, it ends up becoming such a, a problem sometimes that uh, you either have to kind of fundamentally change your design to make it a lot simpler and a lot less interactive in many cases, or you kind of like, you know, go into work around hell. But, it, you know, in, on this project that I'm working on, which, you know, I wanted to, to uh, yeah, th this was a time when I said, I really don't want to have to take four or five different strings put in the data, then assemble them together into one whole. The, you know, the great promise of markup, um, sorry, markdown is to be able to say, uh, you can you can have one block of text with character returns with asterisks for for emphasis, um, and that's great. <laughs> and then, and so then I ran through some localization automate automation to be able to generate screenshots in all the languages we support, and we support a lot, <laughs> and like you know, um, and a lot of variants. And there was problems in Japanese, and this became kind of an interesting, uh, as they might say in French, un fac de cluster, <laughs> because, you know, Markdown is so widely used that the bug report comes in saying, hey, in Japanese, we're doing this thing, and it's not rendering the, correctly because, you know, the, the, instead of seeing bold text, we were just seeing the asterisks in there. And oftentimes, you know, that's a subtle mistake. You can say, well, if the two asterisks don't go directly next to the character, in other words, if there's any space, then it won't it won't be interpreted properly by the markdown parser. It's like, okay, so then we had to have a rend, you know, a round of revisions for that. Then for Japanese, for a particular string, they wanted to to use the left square bracket and the right square bracket because that's typical. But square brackets in markdown, as as, as many people will know. And fewer and few people outside will care, but that has a specialized meaning for an anchor tag, so you have to escape it. And in order to kind of explain what needed to happen, then it became absolutely comical. I went down to visit my friends in Lokalandia to kind of figure out what the problem was, and then we could see, you know, exactly what the issue was. And, and there were there were other kind of super nerdy questions with union, you know, Unicode non-breaking spaces and stuff like that. But we finally, let, you know, got it down. We had to make screenshots and URLs to be able to show this is what the data looks like here, how it's rendered. And then I kind of was going to make my triumphant report in Jira. And Jira is a bug reporting tool like GitHub supports Markdown. 
And therein lies the rub. You start composing your message, you hit send, and then you see that the explanation about how to use Markdown is itself interpreted in Markdown and incorrectly for the point at hand. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't have time for dealing with this shit. So then finally, I just took a screenshot and pasted that in. And then afterwards, I realized that there's probably a way, and I'm sure there is, to kind of mark something as code as a code block so it won't get parsed. And I have to go back and do it. But, you know, to tie it all together in the rush, rush, rush for things, when you have so many things going together, it's so easy to make small mistakes because or to overlook something because you're getting so stressed because you have to kind of try and simplify things and and try and and and, and make something work and and unblock people on other teams. The, the, the possibilities for you getting stressed out and making mistakes just becomes, you know, so easy and you kind of have to to take care of yourself um i'd i'd literally at various points over the last couple of weeks have had to just like stop get up <laughs> inhale walk for a little bit because if i didn't do that i probably would have tossed my laptop out the window and followed it and really is that a joyous note we should be ending on or should no, we be finding no, something that no. more positive to to just no, finish no, no, here i mean it's okay, like you, so... we started this stuff and we're in there and now you've no, just no, no. yeah okay, i'm gonna I... take my laptop throw it out the window because it's christmas Scotty, sleigh bells you know I'm... going off into the distance scotty <laughs> scotty okay i'm gonna bring it back okay then i will be reminded of this okay so how about we end it on this for for the purposes of helping the, the the child, who's no longer a child, he's eighteen. You know, he's finishing up, finishing up high school. He's been going through all his, you know, college application process because that's that's what kids in the U.S. go through of, of kind of months of stress, and that's a separate topic. But you know, in writing essays, we had to do a couple of things. One is is kind of you know explaining what what the effect of COVID and the San Francisco schools kind of extended lockdown did for him personally and kind of what others in his cohort were going through. Um, and that kind of was an interesting undertaking on itself. And for one of his assignments in, in an English class, it, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty typical assignment these days. And I think it's really great. It's, it's very, very specific to kind of, uh, uh, Oral histories, kind of go interview your your mom, your grandfather, you know your your neighbor, ask about their their beliefs, their opinions, so on and so forth. Get some backstory, and of course, <laughs> knowing that that I spent so many years on memory minor, which is backstory R us. That's all it's about. It really kind of made me wistful for it, and made me realize that still it's such an important undertaking, and one day I I still want to get back to it, but to be able to satisfy it. <laughs> I actually had to, I was, I was helping him do a, a, a project where I literally had to go back in time and go retrieve some footage from a talk that you, at a conference, the Objective C Cologne conference, renamed SWIFT at some point, that we were both at. And the, the gist of the, 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 my talk was, you know, waste nothing, tales of reuse. And it talks about all the different ways I've been able to kind of grow my career by building on things that I'd learned off and, and get to a different starting point, you know, a faster starting point with the next project I was working on. And in the end of this talk, and I should probably put it in the show notes, I basically said, why do I do this? And I said, well, it's a, my best way I know to be able to express gratitude that we are incredibly lucky to be able to work on something that lights up our, our, our brains, even if it can cause frustration. Like the work that we do absolutely lights up my brain and the people I work with, you know, that absolutely lights up my heart. And the fact that we're able to do this is an incredible thing. Um, and I'm absolutely grateful of it in, in all times. 
all the more so now when in the world of, of tech companies in the in in the Bay Area, indeed around the world, there's been lots of, of layoffs and, and lots of tumult and so on and so forth. So I feel very grateful. And the last point of gratitude is like Netflix is a pretty cool company. You know? And I had uh, my nephew come visit me uh, and he lives and works in, in, in kind of rural Pennsylvania. And, you know, we have to remind ourselves that for, for many people, it's like, you know, if you're lucky, you go to the office, you know, you, you know, the, the break room might have some bad coffee and, and maybe during, you know, holiday festive things, maybe somebody will dump a bag of potato chips in the bowl and you better be damn grateful. Whereas every day for, for, for us, truth be told, it's Christmas. We have very, you know, nice food. It's, it's carefully sourced. It's, you can have, you know, a, a variety of different things to drink and, and have snacks and so on and so forth. So it's, it's pretty amazing. And so literally to watch my, my nephew's eyes, light up and his jaw dropped so far <laughs> that it was like crashing through the earth and coming out on the opposite end of the of the world having seen that was a a necessary reminder that even during this time when i've been super stressed i am the luckiest person in on the planet um uh, because of all, for all the reasons that I told you. And I'm in fact, I will say it one last time. I feel very, very lucky and grateful to, to, to know you and to be able to, to, to have this therapy thing and to talk to our, our fractional listener. And that's how I'm going to end, uh, this. So there, Scotty, see, I brought it round. There we are. I think that could be the way we can sum up the end of our year really, isn't it, John? I think that that's good. I develop a podcast, another year of therapy done on the cheap. <laughs> Showing gratitude for people who have to subsidize our therapy. <laughs> now you know that our fractional listener is going to start now billing us as a therapist. <laughs> so. Yes, but but you know you know why I'm not worried about that, Scotty? Is that they're using money well to manage their finances? So the chances of me getting an invoice anytime soon is very low. <laughs> I have failed miserably. If you think Moneywell can even issue invoices when it's a budgeting software, it just I shows how, how much know. how much I have wasted wasted <laughs> my entire year talking with you. It's like it's it's like it's my world has just collapsed. No, 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 Scotty. Let me <laughs> let me append that a little bit. They use Moneywell to manage their personal finances and determine can they afford to hire an accountant for their for their business. John, John, it, the word the way it's going to be is because they use many want to manage their finances they are so wealthy they don't need to worry about sending us a bill there we go that's exactly how it is yeah i prefer mine to yours well john <laughs> it's 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 been another year it's been another year and uh we've actually managed to put out a few episodes this year i i I, I'm not sure how many we've done, but I think probably this is one of our better years recently because we, we did have, I mean, I know we had a few years when we uh, didn't do anything, but um, it's, uh, yeah, we, we've been reasonably consistent. So hopefully next year we can um, roughly do the same and uh, we will do it. So I'm just looking here. Yeah, our first episode this year was episode 316. And we are currently doing episode 353. So what's that? 37 episodes? Which, uh, or something like that anyway, uh, which is not bad for us, is it? No, not at all. It's it's not bad for us. It's terrible for our fractional listener, though. <laughs> yeah. So for the 37 times, assuming my, my math is correct, that we have inflicted pain this year, there may uh, and. 
uh, a Christmas elf somewhere, sprinkle magic elf dust on you and repair you to fullness of health so that next year we can do it 40 times. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Scotty, if people want to, not rather than employing an elf, <laughs> want to employ Oh, yeah, we haven't told people of... where to get hold of us, have we? I was, I was wrapping up the show, John. I was gone. I was taking care. But never mind. We better tell no, people no, no. where they can get hold of I, us. But we can't take care unless we ask. So, Scotty, if somewhere in the world somebody wants to send an elf <laughs> with fairy dust to sprinkle it on you <laughs> so that you may have greater happiness, how might they do that? Well... You could do it on the platform run by a man who is about as realistic and believable as an elf, and that is Twitter, (laughs) (laughs) where I am Mac DevNet. But I'm going to be honest, John, maybe maybe I am thinking uh, for 2023, I may drop Twitter. I may (laughs) decide I'm just done with it and and consider my, my social media presence and how much is needed and not needed and maybe go to one of the smaller platforms i know mastodon is the in thing at the moment but even you know that's just gonna turn into a shit show isn't it so maybe go <laughs> go back to micro.blog or something i don't know john but for the moment until 2023 you can get me on twitter as mac devnet and john where should people be wishing you good cheer and telling you where your laptop landed after you threw it out the window. <laughs> I think people should go to the corner of Ninth and Market Street in San Francisco <laughs> and look where my and other laptops may have landed in front of Twitter headquarters. And while you are on Twitter, you can find me as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. All right. Okay, Stigati, now you can do the take care wrap up. Now I can do it. So for the 36th, 37th time, whatever it is this year, um, yeah, thank you. How many? I don't know how many slots each of you have had this year, but it was whatever it was. If it was one, that was probably one too many. So we do thank you very much for listening during this year. Uh, if you're from a culture that celebrates holidays at this time of year, have a great time. And uh, we will see you next year where we promise that even though inflation may be running at 10% around the world, we will make next year's pain only 5% greater than this year. So, (laughs) thanks for listening. And until next time, you take care. Thank you.